All right, I have a tough one for you today, and so let me get into the question that was sent to me, and then we'll just see if we can plow through this highly sensitive, somewhat controversial, and most definitely a tough podcast. Here's the question. My husband is the absolute boss of our home. If I suggest anything to him, he will either yell or lecture me on how it's not my place to tell him what to do. Should I correct him or just let it go? The primary text that I would love for you to help me with is how to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And that is the question. The verse that the supporting member is asking about, the verses, there are two of them. It's Galatians 6, 1 and 2. I'm sure you know those, but I will share them with you right now because that is the overarching context For this podcast, she's asking a specific question. I realize there are many angles to what she is saying, and this is a podcast, not a a, a book, and so I'm just going to stick to the text. I'm going to stick to her question. And so she's saying the primary verses that she would love for me to help her uh, to think through is how to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And again, that's Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Paul said this, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, well, you who are spiritual, he's talking about Christians there because Christians are spiritual, the natural person, as he teaches in 1 Corinthians 2.14. They do not have the spirit. They are dead. They are not alive. And so you who have the spirit should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And so that's the first sentence of this two-verse set. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The second sentence, keep watch on yourself, lest you to be tempted. Third sentence, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6 Chapter uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. The title of the podcast is taken right out of the question that this supporting member asked me. Do you think it's right to correct my authoritarian husband? And so if you want to read everything that I have shared with her, you're welcome to do that. It is an article right here with that title. Do you think it's right to correct my authoritarian husband? And so she has an absolute boss in her home. And and if she says anything, suggests anything to him, he will yell or lecture about how it's not her place to tell him anything. And she wants to know if she can correct him or just let it go. And she wants to contextualize it within Galatians 6.1. So again, you're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. And let me get into it this way. No human has absolute authority over another, period. Now, this perspective should be common sense, but it's not for everyone. And when it comes to a dictatorial husband, which 
if there are children involved. You have a dictatorial husband and a dictatorial father. Well, that kind of individual can put wives and children in a difficult spot, which begs the question, do you think it's right to correct my authoritarian husband? And so this lady has asked me that question, and this is what I have shared with her. And again, if you are helping someone like this, I would encourage you to take this article and that you would use it. I have a bunch of links inside of this article that you can click on and you could read for months. In fact, this one article would make an outstanding homework assignment for you. And so there is a there's an aspect of this question that applies to both spouses. And so I want to state that at the head of this podcast because I've been in the business long enough to know that men are not the only abusive people in marriages. Wives can be abusive as well, and and so I want you to know that. And again, I'm answering a question that was asked to me, and so I have to interact with the individual who is asking the question, and in this case, it was a wife. But at the heart of this issue is one spouse coming alongside another to provide soul care. And that could go either way. Going and making disciples does not apply only to those who are outside our homes. But Matthew 28, disciple-making is a call for all Christians to care for each other within their spheres of influence. And so a husband should be a disciple-making husband as it is directed and pertaining toward his wife, but the wife should also be a disciple-making wife as it is directed and pertaining to the husband. And so this the application or the things that I'm going to say here can go either way. The truth is spouses know their mates better than anyone else. And the longer you're married, the information and insight that you have about your spouse is only going to continue to increase. Now, that is a good thing. It's a good thing for smart spouses. Smart marriage partners want to help each other. And you sense it in the question that this lady is asking, even though she's in an unenviable position. She wants to be a smart marriage partner. And so she wants to come alongside her husband and help him because, excuse me, he is incarcerated and smart marriage partners do want to help, which is, which is at the heart of disciple-making, and everyone benefits. To have a person to know you so well and able to bring wise and loving and corrective care into your life is sanctification gold. Some spouses do not have this understanding. Or perhaps they do have this understanding and they know how ideal it would be, but for practical reasons, they do not bring soul care to each other. And so my hope for you is that it does not matter if you're the husband or the wife as you listen to this podcast, but that you can apply these ideas to your marriage. If you're at that place where you're asking The question that this wife is asking, whether you're a husband or a wife, she's asking, how can I bring Paul's language in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, those three sentences, and specifically, she's drawing out a spirit of gentleness. 
Now, as for correcting an authoritarian husband, which is the question here, you do want to begin with Galatians 6, 1 and 2, as she suggested. I, I hope that when you think about correcting anyone that you want to start with Galatians 6, 1 and 2. But there is a significant caveat here for this lady. If he is an absolute boss husband, he will not listen to your advice or appreciate your care. Only a correctable spouse can be corrected, whether it's a husband or a wife. The correctable person is humble. That is first base. Second base, the correctable person is teachable. And so they are humble. They are teachable. Third base, they want to change. And then a home run, they are appreciative when you speak into their lives. And so there's a round tripper, to use baseball language. They are humble, teachable, desire to change, and they are appreciative that you will speak into their life. The authoritarian husband is a dictator, and those people types do not surround themselves with folks who disagree with them. The wife at a marriage like this is between a rock and a hard place. All of his other relationships were either acquiesced to his domineering personality style, or they will leave. You see, authoritarian types surround themselves with people who are not able to, to challenge the tight-fisted control that he manages. And so she's in an unenviable position. In an ideal world, you should correct your husband when it's needed. I don't care who you are. Every wife should have the liberty, the latitude, the environment of grace to where they can correct their husband, and every husband should be able to correct his wife. But regrettably, this type of spouse does not live in that environment of grace. And so she needs to be careful about bringing things to his attention. He has a distorted view of submission in the marriage, which makes him the absolute boss to use her language, and she is more in the role of a slave. So there is a huge caveat here, and, and I would say that as you correct, or if you correct, or when you correct, you need to do it with much caution. Rather than seeing himself as a leader who disciples his family, he treats his wife as an unequal entity in the sight of God. I was having this conversation with my son just the other day. We talk about all, all sorts of things, but I was just talking about the, the two contexts within a home environment. There is a hierarchical home environment where there are leaders and followers, and then there is an equality within the marriage or within the family where we're all are equal. But he doesn't see himself as a leader who disciples his family. He treats his wife as an unequal entity. Paul's idea of nourishing and cherishing his wife is an unknown tongue to this kind of man. He doesn't have a category for strengths and weaknesses and how his wife could be his most significant asset in the marriage outside of God's empowering favor. 
I have dealt with these insecure, unaware, arrogant, domineering authority types many times. It takes an enormous amount of patience, wisdom, courage, kindness, and community. Don't forget community to turn them into the men who, who love God and others more than themselves. I'm not saying it won't happen, but at this juncture in this podcast, I, I am saying that, that you must know where the starting line is, or you may make what could be unavoidable mistakes. And it doesn't matter who you are discipling or who you are coming alongside of. You have to identify where the starting line is in the discipleship process because you can't start where you want to. You can't start where you assume. You need to start where it really is is. And in this case, I have been talking about where it really is in this person's life. You're not starting at a humble, teachable, I want to change and I'm appreciative of you speaking into my life. No, you're starting in more of a, a proud, stubborn place. And so this podcast is about how to help such a person like that. Now, what we're not talking about is how, how one should leave or if you should leave. I do have other materials. Some of them are embedded here uh, that talk about a, a context of, of where maybe you're at that juncture where you need to have that kind of, of discussion with, with people who can help you walk through it. But my aim here is to give you insight into the heart of a dictator. I want to talk about where that starting place is because, again, the wife here is wanting to be a, a she wants to be on God's redemption team, on God's restoration team. And so we're not talking about leaving the home. She's asking, how can I help? And so you need to identify the starting place for this man. You need to understand the heart of a dictator. And so with that in mind, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list of the idolatries of the heart of a dictator, but I do want to give you about, let's say, five things that I want you to think about. These things are probably active in your dictator husband's life. Now, again, if you have a wife like this, these things are probably active in her life, too. Number one is, and this might be counterintuitive to you, but, but your dictator's strong husband is insecure. Most self-reliant people are vulnerable. A driving motivation for their self-sufficiency is that they are masking their fears and their insecurities. See, You see, a dictator is a controller, and controlling people cannot be out of control. There's the insecurity. There's the fear. There's the vulnerability. They don't want to be out of control. That's what self-reliance is. It's covering all of your bases so that you don't have the back door open and, and you're never out of control. Well, that's motivated by fear or, as I said, insecurity. And so the way that you accomplish covering the back door is by maximizing your strengths while quashing anything or anyone that penetrates your vulnerability force field. And so one of the things that you need to understand when you have an authoritarian, dictatorial, self-reliant spouse is that underneath it, we're looking at the heart of a dictator, you're probably going to find various forms of insecurity. Now, I have an article here titled Mind Mapping, a Detailed Study in Self-Reliance. This article and the teaching that flows out of that article is one of the cornerstones of this entire ministry, and it is essential teaching. And so as 
we're looking at the heart of a dictator because you want to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Finding your starting point, you're probably dealing with an insecure person. Number two, unaware or ignorance, you could say. Because the self-sufficient controller is managing all aspects of his life, there will be blind spots that he cannot see. That's why I say there's some unawareness going on in his life. He's too stubborn to admit that he might be wrong. You see, that's a vulnerability. He can't be vulnerable, so he can't admit that he's wrong. That's an insecurity. He's too proud to ask for help. His modus operandi is to maintain an image of authority and power, which makes humble admissions of inadequacy or ignorance impossible. And so he probably has blind spots, unawareness in his life. You could say that's how he presents himself to others as strong and powerful. What you could say is that's, that is his representative that he presents to his world, a carefully edited version of an authoritarian. That's his representative. But when you pull back the curtain of his life, you see, as I've mentioned, insecurity, vulnerability, fear. You see unawareness, blind spots. That's what's behind the curtain. And so it's important that you don't get lost in the representative as though this is the totality of who he is. You need to understand the heart of a dictator. Two things I've mentioned, insecurity, unawareness. Number three, arrogance. His image-making perpetuates the myth of self-importance. You know, after a while, the self-important thing is like an elixir that he intoxicates himself so that he can feel good about himself. Egotistical self-importance stems from insecurity and fear. And so he creates a world that he can control, which makes him feel good about himself. He leverages his strengths to attain self-important status, and he permits nobody to bring him down. That is arrogance. That is Nebuchadnezzar looking out over his property and thinking, this is all that I have done. And this brings to another area. I have mentioned insecurity and unawareness and arrogance and now blindness. You see, if you perpetuate a lie long enough, it will no longer be a lie to you. This person is blind to his blindness, which is the worst possible state of the wayward soul. I trust you hear these things in such a way that you actually pity your husband. That's my goal here is for you to pity him. You see, for reasons that predate you, that have nothing to do with you, there has been a strong desire within him to construct a kingdom to where he where he wants to reign. The blindness of his passion has fully captured him. The heart of a dictator, he's insecure, unaware, arrogant, blind, and then number five is domineering. This is the behavior that you feel and the behavior that you disdain in your husband is his dominance. But it's worse as you think about how he is affecting the children. It's at this juncture where a wife senses her most significant tension. On the one hand, she loves her husband, or or, or maybe she used to love her husband. And on the other hand, she is the protective mother who wants to rescue her children. And so the text that you referenced to me, Galatians 6, 1, how do I restore him in a spirit of gentleness? It's because of this text that I'm answering your question the way that I the way that I have. Again, you're not asking the leaving question or the bailout question. How can I get out of here? 
You want to know how can God use you on his restoration redemption team? There may be another discussion at another time about staying or leaving, but again, that's not the issue in view here. And so Paul says that the correction of your husband must be in a spirit of gentleness. Now, if you're doing that, if you're not doing that, rather, that there's something that you can change today. If you are not restoring him in a spirit of gentleness, then you need to identify that, and then you need to talk to someone to see how you can change. You want to be a sympathetic restorer of him. I use this language specifically because at this juncture in our ministry, this is a common talking point within my mastermind students and also uh, some of the folks within our community. I I wrote an article a, a couple of weeks ago that is still circulating in a lot of people's minds. It's called The Destructive Force of Empathy and Why You Need to Know. I'm not going to restate that article here, but it is important for you to understand uh, what I mean when I say sympathetic restorer and not an empathetic one. The metaphor, the analogy that I use in that article, if you are empathetic, you will jump in the water to help someone, which you will drown. If you are sympathetic, you will stand on the boat and you will throw a life preserver to him. You don't want to be empathetic where you drown with him. You know, for example, an empathetic hearer or an empathetic person in a marriage, a wife in a marriage like this could say, well, I'm just part of the problem. And if I hadn't have done X, Y, Z, then he wouldn't be A, B, C. Will you see what you've done? You're, you're empathetic. You jumped in the water. Now both of you are going to drown. No, you need to be a sympathetic restorer, which means you need to stand on the boat and it means you need to do some hard things. But those hard things will not include sinful anger, harsh words, or a combative spirit. Sin has captured the husband in this scenario. Sadly, most of the husbands like this don't change unless God breaks them, which you should ask God to do. As a sympathetic restorer, As I said, you need to do some hard things. Well, one of the hard things that I'm implying here is you asking the Lord to bring him to a place of brokenness like what you see in Luke 15, 17 with the prodigal son who came to the end of himself, face planting inside of the hog lot. An essential kindness that your husband could receive from the Lord is his dismantling. God needs to dismantle him. And so my appeal to you is to take decisive action. Now, there are many more things that you must know to help your husband, but in this podcast, I want you to focus on on two things. Number one, find your starting point by discerning some of the hidden idolatries that are in his heart that are motivating him to be as he is. And and as you begin to understand him, hopefully it will drive you to to a place of pity where you pity him, much like Christ pitied us when he saw us in our putrefied blood and he came and restored us. And so you want to identify where your dictatorial husband is, 
what is motivating him, these things that predate you, that have captured him. And then number two, I want you to guard your heart as you seek those civil moments where you can help him change. You will not be able to bring corrective care to him just at any time. And so you have to find civil moments, those moments where he's least likely to react in some kind of sinful way. One of the most vital things you can do is to see him as a prisoner to the chains of his own making. Now, perhaps you will have a a different kind of decisive action later, Maybe if you get to the point, to the advanced stages of an abusive marriage where it may be terminal, well, you you can find many articles that I've written. In fact, I've embedded them here that you can read about that. But before you make decisions that are hard to walk back, make sure you're talking to a competent mentor who understands you and understands your husband and has the courage to walk you through this marriage crisis. One more thing, you should not feel any guilt for seeking help outside of your marriage. If you're a husband, husband is, as you say, then he has disqualified himself from discipling you. And you must submit yourself to your church authority. You move outside from uh, out from under his authority and leadership, and you, you get under another authority, the church authority, and, and you ask them to guide you through the next steps. The podcast you're listening to, the article that I'm sharing with you, are titled, Do You Think It's Right to Correct My Authoritarian Husband? The wife is writing and asking, and she's collect, uh, contextualizing her question in Galatians 6, 1 and 2 about how to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And so I want to thank you so much for your Question, you are a careful wife who wants to explore all the options, but it's evident that your primary objective is the redemption or the restoration of your husband. I frame it like that because he may he may be an unbeliever. And when I talk about finding your starting place with your husband as you keep backing up or moving away from the cross because he's not living in proximity of the cross, and as you move away from the cross, you may cross the salvation line at some point and realize that your husband is not even a believer. And that's why I say it's evident that your primary objective is the redemption or the restoration of your husband. Maybe he is a believer and he is captured in his sanctification and he needs that restoration. But your imitating the gospel is crucial in this matter. Christ came to the imprisoned to set us free. Perhaps your husband will have a similar experience as you lead him to Jesus. I want to ask you a or share a couple of thoughts and share a couple of questions with you as you explore how to do what you are asking me. The first thing I want you to do is to describe your prayer life, specifically as it relates to your husband. 
Here's the question. In what ways do you express gratitude for his leadership? More than likely, he's not a total dud, a universal 100% dud in every possible way. And so in what ways can you express gratitude to God for how he for how God has worked in your husband's life. Now, the reason that is important, because you want to stay out of two ditches, and in one ditch can, can be you have nothing good to say about him, and you are the grumbler, the gossiper, and the complainer, and the slanderer. The other ditch is the ditch of empathy, where you jump in and, and say, well, you know, if I hadn't have done this, you know, he wouldn't do that. No, somewhere in the middle, there's a happy medium here, and part of that includes gratitude for him. And so what are a few ways in which he is leading you well? One of the texts of scriptures that will help you here is the first nine verses of 1 Corinthians. I would appeal to you to read it. I have it linked here. You can hover over it and the box will pop up where you can read it. But I would want you to hear Paul's heart of gratitude for some super mean people. Number two, have you crossed the line and are now more of a grumbler, complainer, gossiper about your husband? If you have transgressed that line, what is your plan for change? Who are you going to enlist to help you change? And then number three, talk about what gentle correction looks like in the verse that you mentioned to me in Galatians 6. Maybe one of the questions that you could ask is to your children, if they're old enough to understand the question and, and courageous enough to give you their uh, unfiltered, unbiased thoughts, but would your children characterize you as a person who corrects their daddy in a spirit of gentleness? You're asking me that question, how can I lead him in a spirit of gentleness? Well, what about if you take an assessment now and ask your children, how are you doing that right now? And of course, if you're not doing that, then you really want to start thinking through a plan to change. The podcast is, Do You Think It's Right to Correct My Authoritarian Husband? Would love for you to read it. I got more questions at the end. Thank you for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.